Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Can you see it? Did you know Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice, it arms To the line, Hughes, scores! Yes, existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. Here, like I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Somewhat of an emergency conversation, but somewhat not, because we are going to be back to two shows a week. We are brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic, be sure to check them out. I just uh, I just opened up some Pokemon cards. Dave, we'll get to that maybe later on. But let's get to my co-host right now, David Quadrelli. He's fired up and ready to podcast. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well, Chris. This is, wow, just wow, the last hour or so since we've started recording like holy smokes it's just been it's just been non-stop like it's been getting crazy here well let's let's go over so within the past hour of as we're recording this we had matt sakaris reporting that uh jordy ben and jt miller have tested or not tested positive but have been exposed to somebody who's tested positive for covid19 Aside from that, we've had Jim Benning hop on Sportsnet 650 to do an interview with Satyar Shaw and Andrew Walker. And then, on top of all that, we just hopped out of a call with Travis Hamnick. So there's a lot to break down, well, yeah. as well as as well as well some Pod Colson news that I've been reporting the last couple days. But let's let's get started with the big story right off the bat. Quads, um, you know, you're, you're one of these guys who I like to chat about with the news to break it all down with. So let's talk about 
this news with JT Miller and Jordy Ben, who missed practice this morning. Um, and then we later heard from a tweet from Matt Zakaris that they were exposed to somebody with COVID-19. So uh, okay. I don't know. I'll let you kind of break it down here. Okay, so just to correct you, they were not exposed to somebody with COVID-19. That's not what's being reported. What's What we do know, here's what we know, okay, just for everybody listening, here's what we know. On Sunday, the Canucks canceled practice because of a false positive test. We talked to Travis on Monday. He was the one that told us it was a false positive, and he even revealed it was a player. Jordy Ben was not skating on Monday, so do the math. Jordy Ben was the player who had the false positive. When you get a false positive, you have to test negative three days in a row. Just to make sure it was... because Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I think what a lot of people don't get about the COVID testing is that... A f- and I'm not a doctor, trust me. Um, But a false positive isn't just like, oh, it said you're positive, but you're not. Like, it just means an inconclusive test. Like, that's what they had that happened. So they have to make sure that it's negative, if that makes sense. Like, that's my understanding of what's going on. So they have to... Like, Jordy Ben has to test negative three days in a row... But, so, so sorry, so, so let's go over that. So he was out on Monday, and then today, uh, JT Miller was also not on the ice, but he was out yesterday, so he shouldn't have been yesterday, but the Canucks didn't know that he shouldn't have been because I believe it was the health ministry that was the one that told uh, the Canucks that, hey, JT Miller, who's living with Jordy Ben right now, uh, is considered a close contact, and he also needs to isolate. So... I believe what what's happening now is Miller has to isolate and test negative three days in a row, very similar to what's going on with Ben. So the report came out from Matt Sakaris said a couple of weeks. Uh, to me, that's just incorrect unless both of these guys have COVID, but that's not what's being reported. We are going to find out more tomorrow morning. But right now, what we're being told is that Neither of these guys tested positive, but they're both isolating and quarantining just in case, and they have to test negative. So, okay. So, like, the door isn't completely closed on them testing positive, if that makes sense. But what we've been told is that there was a false positive, and that Jordy Ben was a, or sorry, that JT Miller was a close contact of Jordy Ben, so they have to both quarantine and test negative. Patrick Johnson broke this down further. Basically, what it means is that the Canucks aren't going to have either of these players until their home opener next Wednesday night against the Montreal Canadiens. Because even if, you know, Jordy Ben's three days of testing negative is up tomorrow, right? So that's day three. But the team's already left for Edmonton and you can't drive to, you can't drive for more than five hours or you have to do a seven day quarantine under league policies. Um, and with flying. Uh, anything on commercial or private uh, requires a seven-day quarantine under the league policies. This isn't even Canada policies. This is the league policies. So I think what you, they're going to have to do is just kind of wait it out. Like both of these guys have to wait till next Wednesday to get in. I think I think that's the only option here is that's what, that's what we're going to hear tomorrow morning, I think, uh, when there's official word because Jim Benning spoke on Sportsnet 650 and confirmed that Miller and Ben aren't available to them right now. He didn't add much else, but he did say more information will be announced tomorrow. Right now, this is all we know, though. Yeah. He also, just to, on top of what Benning said, Jace Howerleck will not be able to play either. Uh, obviously, it doesn't sound like it's COVID-related with him uh, because yeah. we did see the the head hit the ice on the yeah. scrimmage uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, I think to, to look at the situation, you talked about it next Wednesday being the date 
I mean, if we do see three negative tests in a row from these players, that's still like the earliest we could see, right? I mean, that's just saying that they could be here next Wednesday, from what you've just said, that's like the earliest date we could see it. Like, it could potentially be longer. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Um, I don't think it will, but if these guys both don't keep testing negative, like if one of them actually has COVID, obviously, yeah. But then if that's the case, Chris, I'm worried about the guys that are already in Edmonton because Miller practiced yesterday. So if he was carrying it and spreading it, uh, you know, he does line rushes with Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser. So it's just, you know, that's like absolute worst case scenarios that both of these guys test positive. Uh, not only do they have to miss a couple weeks, but then they also spread it to their teammates without knowing. And that's what's just so crappy about all of this. But I think, you know, that's the worst case scenario and there's absolutely no point speculating about it right now. So what we do know is that both of these guys are going to miss at least this road trip. That's all we know right now. Yeah, and on the eve of the NHL regular season, it seems like uh, you didn't get a present on Christmas Eve. You got the lump of coal instead, hearing what the news that dropped out today. That was tough to tough to hear. I mean, I guess we'll kind of move on from here because we don't want to spend too much time because, like you said, this is an ongoing situation, and we're going to hear a lot more from Jim Benning probably on Wednesday morning about this or somebody from the Canucks organization anyways. So let's, let's look at how this affects them, I guess, for their you know first four games of the season as they go take on the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday and Thursday night, and then move on to take on the Calgary Flames on the weekend let's start with the top line because Jake Vertanen slides right into that spot with JT Miller's absence he plays with Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser Uh, I think some some trickle down effect would be Zach McEwen hopping into the lineup to skate with Antoine Roussel and Adam Gaudet so let's start at the top let's start with Jake Vertanen on that line and and I guess what that kind of means to this Canucks team yeah it's it's really interesting kind of how how it all shakes out because there's a glaring spot right there, and you were at camp today, remind me, but Jake Vertanen was skating in that spot, right? Yeah, it was Vertanen, Patterson, Besser. So I think that's what we're going to see, but it was interesting because on the same day, Travis was talking about how he's ready to use the lotto line in a matchup role, which, you know, long time, or any listeners of this show know that that's something I've been championing for the longest time, so that was kind of cool to hear uh, Travis on the same wavelength as me, but... Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen with Jake. And even, it was funny, I don't know if you were on the call today, but Bess was talking, Brock Besser was saying, um, you know, they were asked how they have to kind of change if Jake's coming on the line. And he was like, oh, well, I think we need to be better defensively if we're going to have Jake on our line. And it was just like, whoa. <laughs> and like, Petey kind of looked at him too. It was, it was pretty funny. But um, yeah, like, I think that's an opportunity for Jake. I, I just don't think that you want to move Nils Hoglander up to the first line after he's already learning so much and trying to get comfortable so fast and he's only been with Horvat like I don't think now's the time to to change things up for him I think you 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 go with Jake there and I think we've kind of determined a few times on this show back before we knew Nils Hoglander was going to be this good we were talking about how yeah there's a spot for Jake on that first line because Bester's gonna have to go down the second line like this is Jake's opportunity we didn't think it would come this way but here it is like here's an opportunity for Jake to have a hot start to the season go out, score some big goals, play some defense, and, you know, really go out and show that training camps, I'm just not great at training camps. I'm much better in actual games, though. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, it's a good opportunity. I guess there's a silver lining, but, man, it's just, first of all, you hope everybody tests negative, especially with JT having kids and Jordy Ben with a newborn baby. It's just, man, 
I just, I really hope nothing comes of this and that they both just continue to test negative and that's all it was, was a false positive. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's quite a situation, Chris. Well, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? The the struggle is going to be trying to podcast through all these situations that are going to happen throughout the season because look, we're we're not even began we haven't even began the regular season at this point. We're already talking about a COVID case affecting the Vancouver Canucks, not only, you know, the organization as a whole, but just looking at the lineup like it it's the first line player and a guy who might have cracked the lineup in Jordy Ben for opening night, but let's you know, let's let's explore that. Let's explore the hockey side a little bit more here with the Jake Vertanen line and what you talked about there, because you said that you know maybe Jake Vertanen moves into that line and was given the opportunity in the past, and you know speaking about last season a little bit. But now, what from what Travis even said today about that line matchups, it's not like he can go away from that now because is he going to trust the Pedersen line with Jake Vertanen against Connor McDavid? Or does he want to trust? the Horvat line now with a 20 year old rookie who's never played an NHL game before. Like it's, he doesn't have the fallback of Bo Horvat and Louis Erickson, but you know what? Like in his back pocket, he kind of does. Cause uh, Louis Erickson was just confirmed by Jim Benning to be on the taxi squad. Like what a turn of events it would be after the Canucks waving Louis Erickson, now having two COVID cases to see Louis Erickson in the opening night lineup in the top six on Bull Horvat's wing after what after what Huglander has done like that's a possibility at this point you know specifically specifically the way that you're matching up against this Oilers team like this Oilers team and the Toronto Maple Leafs team like these those are going to be the two big lines you know I think those might be the opportunities where you are going to see Louis Erickson play on that line because maybe they want to just limit what those big powerful you know top of the league lines are able to do against the Canucks like I don't know. It, there's a path for Louis Erickson right now to somehow take that spot from Neil Huglander, which is crazy to think. But then, like, would it make sense for Huglander to go up and play with Pedersen? And then you move Jay Furtanen back down and take McEwen out of the lineup? Like, that's a serious possibility as well, just because of now you're kind of thrown into this this monkey wrench of COVID now and just thinking, like, does Travis Green fall back to his laurels and, and go with Louis Erickson and maybe move Huglander right up to play with Pedersen and Besser, which is huge like this this would be huge like this is kind of this isn't something that i predict happening i i, I think that they are going to run with jake for elias Pettersson, and bo and brock besser on that first line and then roll with the pearson horvat huglander second line but like we know travis and and he likes to have defensively responsible players and i'm not saying that huglander is not that but he just hasn't shown travis that he is that in an nhl game because he hasn't had the opportunity yet I I I'm really really thinking that we're gonna see a lot of Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle tomorrow night, Chris. Like I think uh, even even when well, listen, even when Travis was talking about the um the matchups today, he was saying he's like, well, we have we have the Lotto line, blah blah blah. But he's like, oh, we also have Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle, and it was just like, okay, all right, so so that's still a thing. And <laughs> yeah, I think when when you lose a guy like Miller. I think they're going to have to rely on them. And keep in mind, like, it looks like those guys are going to skate on one line together. Like, that's the fourth line is Mott, Beagle, Sutter. And listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that these guys are elite or anything like that. But listen, when, what, at the start of a season, Brandon Sutter's always good to start the season. Like, I don't know if you've noticed that, but he, do, he's like not fatigued. He doesn't have any back issues, no injuries. He's always fine to start the season. I'll bet you anything he actually does a pretty good job shutting down Connor McDavid tomorrow if they play on if they play that matchup on Wednesday night and Thursday. Oh, 
Man, you might want to check the odd sharks numbers on that because I would take <laughs> Connor, I would take Connor McDavid against Brandon Sutter uh, in a lot of situations. But yeah, I think like like that that's a good point because maybe that that potential matchup at least gives Travis Green some veteran players who he trusts in the defensive zone to play against such a powerful line in the Connor McDavid line. But I believe the Edmonton Oilers have split up Dreisaitl and McDavid like they're running on a first and second line. So really, you're you're just getting a top six that's powerful. And I think at that point, you can have the potential to just match them up because a lot of that can be can be leaned on your defensemen to say, okay, like you're going to have to deal with Connor McDavid coming down a little bit more than the forwards are. Like the forwards will have to disrupt him in the neutral zone, but it's going to be on the defenders getting that deep rush. And you know what? You're going to see it. Like you're going to see it multiple times on Wednesday night of Connor McDavid doing what Connor McDavid does best. And that's be one of the best players in the world. So he's going to do it at times, whether you have Brandon Sutter out there or Neil Zuglander out there, like Connor McDavid's going to get past those guys and get to your defenseman and make a rush on your goaltenders. So either way, I, I don't think it's a it's a shoe in for any direction, but I would really be I would really be disappointed to not see Huglander start with Horvat. Like I know it's a it's it's probably not like a a like it's it's probably not the betting odds to see Louis Erickson in the lineup, but it's definitely a possibility now with what we've seen to the top six. But like man, this Huglander kid just had the best camp out of every single Vancouver Canucks player. Earned that spot for himself. I would be very let down. To not see him on opening night with the Vancouver Canucks on that Horvat line. Well, do you remember when Brock Besser didn't play the first two games of the season against Edmonton? The first one was at least, and they put Derek Dorsett on him on McDavid instead, and it worked, and they won three two. Man, it's all coming back to me. But do you remember that when Besser was a rookie, Travis yep. sat him for the first two games? Maybe that happens with Hoglander. I doubt it, man. I. I wonder, this is going to be really interesting. I don't know if you've registered for the Zoom availability tomorrow, but I can't wait to talk to Travis tomorrow morning and just kind of see what's going through his mind. Like, what's the lineup going to look like? It's it's really interesting, but I, you know what? I think you're right. I think all we're going to see is Jake slide into the Elias Patterson line and Hoglander's going to stay alongside Horvat. I don't think they're going to break that up. I don't, I don't think Hoglander is that bad away from the puck, that, like in camp at least, that Travis is going to have reservations about not using him in a matchup role per se, but maybe like splitting those matchups and not being like, you know, terrified if he's out there when McDavid's also out there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I, I don't hate Hoglander... the idea of him trying to stick with a McDavid. Like, obviously, he's not going to be able to fly yeah. down the wing like McDavid, but you know, quick pivots. I, I, I wouldn't be scared to have Huglander trying to cover a guy like McDavid doing quick pivots in the offensive zone. I'd be worried yeah. about anybody trying to defend on Connor McDavid coming down the wing any any player in the world would struggle with that but I think that what people might say like oh his defensive game will be able to keep up with McDavid that's not going to be a problem for Huglander at all once they're actually in the zone yeah absolutely and that's something I wanted to kind of mention is that listen he was going up against Elias Pettersson and he was playing really well like he stripped the puck from Pettersson like three times in that one drill I don't know if you remember but maybe I was the only one there but regardless like I I haven't seen anything that suggests Hog maybe his in zone defense he could be better like he floats in the high slot sometimes it kind of seems like um maybe he could be a little more engaged in the defensive zone but in terms of you know just tenacity on the puck and winning board battles like I'd say he's one of the best on the Canucks already so I don't know like I think he deserves to be in the lineup absolutely and I I just I wonder how they go about the matchups but I don't know I think this is a good time to cut to break 
Well, it is. Well, like, we'll finish up with one other thing with Hugliner from today's practice. Um, and it's it's something that actually probably helps him, you know, not be taken out of the lineup is that he was playing on the first unit power play today. Like, that was something where he was slotted in with Pedersen, Horvat, Hughes, and Besser. They still use Brock Besser down in the uh, net front presence. They used Hugliner on one of the half walls. And they kind of rotated today. Like, they gave a shot with Pedersen back in his Petter zone on the right side with his one-timer. But then they also moved Pedersen to the left side and put Hugliner on the right side. And they rotated those guys through. They worked on some five-on-three work today. Like, they, they spent some extra time after practice, just those five guys, with three guys kind of just standing in there as PK guys, not really doing much. And then they even worked by themselves, just the five guys against air. And they were just passing the puck around and firing shots. So, you know, with this situation, Niels Huglander, like, he's he's moved right into power play one as well. Like, he's had one hell of a camp, and now, now he's going to open this season likely on the Horvat wing and likely on the first power play unit because there's not really another option to call up from that second power play unit. You know, maybe you think of a Goddard or a Vertanen, depending on where you put him on the ice, but it looks like they're going to go with Niels Huglander to play on that dominant, dynamic first power play unit. Yeah, I, I'm i really excited to see him on that unit because where's he going to play? Like, exactly where? Like, is he just filling into Miller's spot then? Yeah, they used him both on the right half wall and the left half wall. Like mm. I said, they rotated Pedersen um, on either side and they did a yeah, lot of work I'm, on I'm each. really interested to see it, for sure. I'm, yeah, so that's that's an interesting... I, I think like, they're going to I think they're gonna have some success. Like, oh, yeah. is there a world where... No, there's not. That's crazy talk. But I was going to say, is there a world where Hoglander plays so well over these next four games that when Miller comes back for the season opener, he's not on the power play? Ooh, that's tough. I think that there's more likely that Hoglander would outplay Besser to move Besser to the second unit. Mm, very good, you know what? yeah. Like, Huglander's played the net front presence on the power play. He did it at Regley multiple times. Yes. He did that not really this year, but last year in the 2018-19 season. Um or what? No, I guess nineteen twenty season. Uh, like yeah. he was, he was a net front guy for a lot of time on the second power play unit at Regley. But this past year, he's been a guy on the half wall because he's moved up. And we, and we talked about that with him uh, on episode one hundred four when he was on the show with us uh, right before his season got started. That he wanted to be a bigger role on the power play, and he was this year for Regley. So I think that that opportunity for him to be there, like if Brock Besser just doesn't work as a net front presence, and I asked Besser about that today in the Zoom call. Like, I asked him, how much time have you spent as a net front presence? And I, I meant it a little tongue-in-cheek because all of Brock Besser's life, he's had the best shot on every single team that he's played on until he got to the Vancouver, or, you know, even when he got to the Vancouver Canucks, he did. <laughs> but uh, kind of until, like, Elias Pettersson got here and JT Miller got here, you know, like, Brock Besser was the best shooter. He was the guy who you fed the puck every single time in the power play. His first year in Vancouver. Think about how much they fed him the puck on the power play. Like, now they're moving him in the net front and it just seems weird it seems like a very weird spot for Brock Besser but it's like is he better utilized on the second unit you know playing somewhere where he can actually take a shot because his shot's been excellent yeah there, there's going to be a lot of conversations and I think if Huglander shows well in these first four games these conversations are going to be at the forefront because like People are going to say, like, is Huglander's ability on the power play and the things he's going to bring with his playmaking and ability to retrieve pucks so well and be so quick to pucks on the boards, is that going to be better than having Brock Besser do it? Even though Brock Besser is likely going to be a better contributor on a team's first power play unit, it just it might not fit with the Vancouver Canucks if they want to use JT Miller and Elias Pettersson on the half walls. Like, you might be just wasting some of Brock Besser's offensive shot and his talent 
if you're using him as a net front. Like, there's a lot to talk about with this power play. And we haven't even seen a damn game yet, but it's coming up very soon here. So that's exciting. Absolutely. It was funny. When you mentioned uh, in Brock Besser's first year, they were always feeding him the puck. Everybody except for Alex Edler. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that, but those were those were the best. Th- those are my fondest memories of the Provies was uh, when when Botch was just writing like different gifts of Edler looking off Besser, and he finally asked. I think he I think he asked Edler about it, and Edler was or he asked Travis about it. Him and J Pat asked Travis about it. Yeah. Um. Oh man, those are just some fond memories. Absolutely, and I think it was like next game. I remember Botch like tweeting out that like it happened because like Edler passed <laughs> it to Besser. That was incredible, man. What a what a world that was only a few years ago, a couple years ago, really. I to know, think man. that that's that's what we were looking at on a first power play unit. Now the Canucks have one of the deadliest groups of of not only five but potentially ten guys. You know, looking oh, at both power play units, and yeah, exciting stuff. But yeah, it's a good time I think now to head to break. We have a lot to uh, discuss on the other side as well. Um, so yeah, we'll take a quick break here. We'll see you guys on the other side as we continue to talk about more stuff from Canucks camp, more stuff as the season gets going, and a little bit of stuff to wrap up with Vasily Podkolzin. So we'll see you on the other side. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code HockeySeason with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, HockeySeason, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for Epic Case Break openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. All right, short and sweet one here for our friends at Mike's Hard Lemonade, the Blue Freeze. If you haven't tried it, folks, you need to get out and try the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze. By far my favorite alcoholic beverage on the market right now. If you're going to just enjoy a few drinks at a game or it's a Saturday night and you got a Zoom party with some of your friends, take yourself down to the BC Liquor Store which or your local liquor store, wherever you get drinks. Pick up some Mike's Hard Blue Freeze, the best, tastiest drink on the market right now. Oddshark.com is your home for NHL, NBA, NFL, odds, futures, picks, consensus, scores, standings, stats, and much more. Lots of good editorial content on Oddshark.com. But right now, if you're looking to see what the odds are for tomorrow's game against the Edmonton Oilers, the Canucks appear to be the underdog across the board. So if you're looking to go make some money, put some money down on the Canucks. Maybe you'll get lucky, maybe they'll pull out the win, and you can win yourself some money. So go check out oddshark.com. That's right, folks. Hockey season is back, and so is Parallel 49 with some of their new beers. If you didn't try it last year, that was the first year that they released the Apricotopus Sour, the Apricot Sour. I highly recommend that one, one of my favorite sour beers. And another seasonal one that's come out is the Sea Salted Caramel Scotch Ale. Uh, This one's a little bit of a stronger beer, so only a couple of these should probably get you through a Canucks game this year. And don't forget to be sure to try out all of their classics like the Trash Panda and Jerkface 9000, or even the Tricycle if you want to mix it up and have yourself a little bit of a Rattler as well. So go out and try Parallel 49 Beers and follow them on all their social medias. All right, and we're back. Thank you to our four sponsors for joining us here. Yeah, some new ads on the show as well, Quads. I know you just recorded a new one. I recorded a couple new ones as well. So bringing up some fresh content, not only with the podcast, but with the ads as well. Probably long overdue, to be honest. I know that we were getting some slack for saying, uh, before we go any further in all of our ads. So <laughs> I hope that you didn't say that in yours because I haven't heard your ad yet. 
I definitely didn't say that. Don't worry. I just I started it with oddshark.com. You know how I do. And I'm actually, you know, I'm actually, as you know, I started betting recently. So I've been using oddshark quite a bit. So far, I am 0 for 2. I bet on the uh, the Titans and I bet on the Raptors last night. And I thought t- picking the underdog Raptors was going to work because they were leading all game. And like I picked before the game when they were really the underdog. Uh, and then, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to get into it, but, uh, last, that's the last time I bet on basketball. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I've been listening to this podcast, the whistleblower podcast about like how NBA refs like influence games and like match fix or whatever. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't want to get into it, but I just, I, after hearing that and then watching a basketball game that I was betting on, I was like, this is absolute BS. Like, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, so I'm on the final episode of the Whistleblower Podcast. If you haven't checked it out, uh, highly recommend it. We got recommended it by uh, Ray Ferraro, actually, when I talked to him at the World Juniors. And he said, like, we, we were just chatting after about podcasts and stuff, about his show, about our show. And then he's like, do you listen to other podcasts that aren't hockey-related? And I was like, honestly, not really. Like, I don't really uh, go too far out of the hockey realm for podcasts. I got enough uh, Canucks podcasts to get through. But he was like, he highly recommended the Whistleblower Podcast. And if you guys haven't checked it out, Dave kind of just gave it a brief breakdown there. But, uh, yeah, highly recommended. Both of us have just flew through it i've listened to it every day i go into camp and every day i leave from camp so uh, i'm on the final episode right now i'm excited to see how it wraps up so yeah if you want to read about uh cheating refs in the nba and money and all that fun stuff check out the whistleblower podcast but we have some news as well quad some good news i think at this point because we just hopped off a zoom call with travis hamannick uh by the way reporter from canucks army chris faber led the way with three questions in that interview Big deal right there. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's been great to see the the signing come down finally now. $1.25 million on a one-year deal with a no-trade clause in the contract. Uh, as that deal comes down, like you feel pretty good about having Hamannick now at $1.25, I believe. Right, Quads? Absolutely. No-move clause, just to correct you there. Full no-move clause. For Hamannick? Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I um, mean same, same deal. <laughs> yes, same same sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you don't hate it, especially if your upgrade is... for You went from Tanev and Stetcher to Schmidt and Hamannick. I would say that's an upgrade. Harmon has suggested to me that Hamannick's only a little bit worse than Tanev. So, you know, to get him at that price, you're definitely not complaining. And I think, you know, I think we said this on the last show, but just for people who didn't hear, like... There is no way Travis Hamannick is signing for this dollar amount if the market isn't as weird as it is and most unprecedented time the NHL's like ever faced. I don't think there's any way the Canucks were able to grab Hamannick if not for a global pandemic. So, I mean, it, it's good for them to be able to get him on a one-year deal because it gives them a chance to kind of evaluate everything else, see what they have. You know, they've got they've got some prospects coming up and maybe they can you know, go out and sign somebody or make a trade for somebody a little more stable. Like they can, they basically are setting themselves up nicely for not only the Seattle expansion draft by having Hamannick on a one-year deal, but also just for the future in general. So yeah, I, I don't understand how anybody can hate this signing. Thankfully, I don't see anybody that hates this signing, but uh, yeah, I mean, you don't hate that he's playing with Hughes too, right? Like, you know, I, I think that's, that could be a good fit just based on how Hamannick plays similarly to Tanev. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's a good fit, it seems. Yeah, I just, you know what, man? Like, I'm still in the camp that I'd like Quinn Hughes to play with Tyler Myers. Like, I'm still in that camp. I think that, 
I think that Hamannick and Neil Levy would be a fine third pairing. I think that would be a completely fine third pairing to see, you know, as long as Neil Levy can hold up. And if Neil Levy doesn't work, then I really like the idea of what you're doing with Quinn Hughes and Hamannick, but to a lower degree with Jack Rathbone and Travis Hamannick on the third pair. I think that's got to be an option at some point too, because there a lot of people are saying that uh, that Neil Levy and Myers is the perfect fit. Well, so was Ben Hutton and Eric Goodbranson at a certain point, right? That was the perfect fit. So <laughs> I, I'll need to see how much these guys actually work together before seeing the pairs. But you know what? That's that's the way I think a lot of NHL seasons work with defense pairings. Like it normally takes a good handful, potentially up to twelve games, to see like this is going to be the pairings that we want if everyone's healthy throughout the season so health is going to be a big thing with the Canucks defense core but so is just finding the right chemistry with these guys so I don't think it's going to be a problem but it'll be interesting to see how they skate and how they play together and how quickly we might see pairings start to get swapped around by Travis Green who really isn't shy to do that at all so I'll be interested to see but I think what Hamannick brings too and I I made sure I asked some questions about this uh, in the media availability that we just had with him but you know, he was a he was a, a huge battle last year as a Calgary Flame with the Edmonton Oilers, who the Battle of Alberta has really cranked up over the past couple of years. He's been a part of that for the last few years for sure. And I just think that having that kind of added insight into how that team operates, having these huge games against the Oilers on, you know, hockey night in Canada, Saturday night, these big primetime games. He's played a lot of them. He's played with the Calgary Flames. I think that added little bit of information and just knowledge from him being a veteran around the NHL, I think it's being understated how much of an impact Travis Hamannick can make if he hasn't regressed a ton now in his 12th NHL season. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just... It's just a matter of kind of finding that balance, right? Like, I don't hate the idea of him playing with Rathbone. I think we've both kind of been on that train for a while now. And Rathbone's on the taxi squad as far as I'm aware. So that's a good thing. Like, that that means that he could get a chance if someone goes down. And I think he looked great at camp. I thought he had a really good camp. I just, you know, you, you want to see more progress, obviously, on the in-zone de- defending. But I think that's kind of naturally going to come for Jack. So... I'm excited to see how Hamannick plays with Hughes, but I'm I'm definitely in agreement with you there that there's a chance that it's be- that Hughes is better off playing with Myers and you're better off using Hamannick in a lower role in a third pairing, right? And yeah, yeah like he, he that's that's partly why I like the fit. Like he can hold down a Jack Rathbone pairing or a Quinn Hughes pairing. So like we really like Troy Stetcher, but that's something Stetcher just couldn't do, right? So I don't know. I I, yeah. I like the fit for the Canucks. It's a good point, and and to kind of to to circle back on what you just said about Rathbone there, I I wonder what's going to happen with him in the, in the taxi squad, right? Obviously, I I don't think that we're going to see a Canucks defense core stay healthy all season long. Not only with the the players they have, but also with the with this current situation of COVID nineteen and and how the NHL is going to be operating. Like we've already seen cases to start before the season here, so I just wonder, like maybe just like theoretically, if we were to get to a point where February 6th, I believe, is the AHL start date. If we get to that point and Jack Rathbone still has not been into an NHL game at that point, do you think that it's starting to become more of an option that you want to actually get him some playing time and get him down to the AHL? Because from what we've seen at camp, I really think that Rathbone would stick out at the AHL level. And you don't want to get him into a situation that... You know, Brogan Rafferty kind of found himself in last year where he was absolutely ripping up the AHL. You know, everything that he did on the ice at the AHL level said that he should be a guy to come up and play on your right side when an injury occurs. And there just wasn't any injuries, right? I think Tyler Myers missed, what, one game? I think that was the only thing we lost from yeah. the right side. Like, like Troy Stetcher didn't miss a game. Chris Tanev got injured in the final game. So, 
I don't think that I like, I don't really want Rathbone to get in that situation, but I do think that an injury or something's going to force him into the lineup. But then does he hop in on a line on that third pairing? Like, and does he play with Myers? Cause that's a weird set. That's a weird looking pairing to me with those, the way that those two guys operate and defend. So I think that that's why the Hammonick situation is like I said earlier in this, in the second part of this episode, like I think it's actually a way bigger impact to the Canucks than people are seeing it. And people, you know, I saw some people saying that it wasn't the greatest signing. It wasn't the biggest thing. It wasn't huge news for the Vancouver Canucks that they signed a guy like Travis Hamannick. But, it, like, really it is. Like, he's even potentially a guy that could hop into your top four in a pinch if you needed to. This is a guy who's played over 20 minutes every single year in his career. And, yeah, they've regressed in minutes every single year. But, like, last year he still played over 20 minutes every single game. He still was your guy who was killing the most penalty minutes per game for Calgary last year. This is a very impactful player. And if you if you're looking down at this Travis Hamannick signing and saying it's really not that big of a deal like I don't think you're looking at the full situation because like you said he's going to be playing with Quinn Hughes like that's a huge spot to be on the Vancouver Canucks team and I think that this ad of Travis Hamannick at 1.25 million this like is it crazy to say this might be the best move Jim Benning's made this offseason oh no yeah that is crazy because Nate Schmidt is by far the best move he's made this offseason that's true. I, that one probably slipped my mind a little bit there as I was getting too fired <laughs> getting up. A little excited too, too hot. Hamannick, eh? a li- get a little hot on Hamannick there for sure. But yeah, the, the Nate Schmidt's up there for the best one for sure. I'll give you that. That's like best uh, thank in the you for bring- Thanks for bringing me back down a little bit. But I mean, <laughs> it's still an incredible move, I think, if you look at it at 1.25. And yeah, the COVID situation made that happen. But still, you know, Travis Hamannick's on the Vancouver Canucks at $1.25 million now. You know, no matter what the situation to get here is, he's here now at 1.25. So I, I think it's a, a very understated move, honestly. And I know it's been talked about a lot, but I just don't think it's... I think it's a lot better than people think in the end because there's so many options with him now. Absolutely. I don't know if I'd call it incredible. That might be your uh, Rogers, Rogers Media vibe talking there. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, like Rogers is making me say Hamnick is good. <laughs> Who was that guy? Oh, yeah. The Iceman, the Tyson Chicken. <laughs> Rogers Media yeah. is controlling this podcast now. Yeah, no, I think there's a TSN podcast. If anybody's, if any podcast is getting controlled by, by, uh, by a Tyson Chicken, it's pretty sure it's the Vancast for sure. Yeah, totally. Drance, yeah, yeah Drance, friend of JD Burke. <laughs> yeah, it's either that or, uh, or they're getting controlled by the fish market, the canned fish market out there because yes, i know they got they, Drant, paid off they got drants in his back pocket right now yeah like like the fish market controls what comes out in the media just so people know the canned fish market which by the way have you ever had canned fish that's good like i i've i remember having like as a joke or like my mom would bring home like canned sardines when i was a kid and like oh you gotta try the canned sardines or you know like canned tuna i guess is fine but like have you ever had canned fish that's good because like why the hell does drants like canned fish so much I only eat canned tuna. I don't have any el- anything else. But I'm not a big fish guy either. You know that. But canned tuna is, yeah. Like, I make tuna melts all the time. Those are the best. I love those. You know what? Like, tuna melts are so underrated. But, like, a half bagel with tuna. And it's something about, like, like you put mayonnaise in your tuna salad, like, to make the tuna, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I just think, I think it's something about, like, warming up the mayonnaise a little bit with the tuna. It just, it makes it so good. Like, tuna melts, like... I haven't had one in a long time, and I think a lot of people are probably in the same boat as me where it's like tuna melt isn't like a regular food item in your repertoire, but when you do have one, you're like, man, like I should have these more, and then maybe you'll go on like a two-week stretch where you have like six to ten tuna melts in two weeks, and from that point on, like you just forget about it for another three months. Like that's the way that I kind of live with tuna melts. 
you forget about it unless you have too much mercury in your system from eating six to ten tuna melts in a week. Oh, two, no, I said two weeks. Oh, okay, yeah. I get, I think, yeah, I think the amount of mercury, because um, I know that's why you're not supposed to eat tuna too much, but I don't think there's that much mercury. I think you'd be okay over two weeks. Well, maybe on the lower end of that scale. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it ten times over two weeks. I think that's a bit excessive. Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, people <laughs> have sushi, like, that much times in two weeks sometimes. People are obsessed with sushi, so. Very true. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm not, uh, yeah, we're not being sold out to the sardine companies anytime soon. No, no. But we'll yet. see what happens. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny in the next, what is it, Gold Seal? That's a big one. Gold Seal. Gold brought Seal. To you, uh, ocean, ocean, ocean something? Maybe it's just right. ocean. Aren't they just called ocean? <laughs> I don't know. It makes sense if it's a canned fish company. Anyways, uh, there's across an ocean. Is Russia quads, and I want to talk about Russia for a little bit here with Vasily Podkolzin in the situation with him. Nice so, segue. <laughs> I know, right? It's like uh, it's like I work for a radio station. Um, so yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the situation with Vasily Podkolzin because he played today. He played very early uh, on this Tuesday morning. I was up at seven thirty to check if he was in the lineup, and he in fact was. He in fact was in the KHL lineup after a lot of reports coming out saying that you know potentially he wouldn't be with the KHL team anymore. There was another contract that was being given to him, turned down by Vasily Podkolzin. Because he wants to come to North America. That was what his agent said. That is what Pod Colson said. He doesn't want to go back to the KHL. I think a lot of that's been how he's been treated. I think a lot of that's just because NHL players should be playing in the NHL. And Vasily Pod Colson will be an NHL player. I think the best players around the world want to play in the NHL because it's the best league. It's a pretty simple situation for me. But Sky's an organization that gets what they want. They're going to go out. They're going to get what they want. If you're a free agent in the KHL... Likely Ska's got an offer in, they're going to get him. I just think that this is an organization that doesn't get turned down often, and the situation that we're seeing with the Silly Pod Colson is a situation where he's turning down what Ska wants. And that's a tough spot to be in for a kid who's 19 years old. You know, there was rumors in some of these Russian articles about Ska smothering him and tightening the grip like a boa constrictor on his throat. There's some of the quotes that I saw in these articles from the Russian media. A lot of this came out and was shot down. I know Rick Dollywall talked to... Uh, um, Rotenberg, who uh, who is a very high up in Ska's organization, associate director, I believe, or assistant GM, something very high up there anyways. But the situation with Pod Colson was that he wasn't playing. And I wonder if all this pressure from the media helped him get in the lineup. Because honestly, why the hell would they bench him on Saturday in the one of the biggest matches of the year against their biggest rival, CSKA? It's the Army rivalry. Why in the hell would they bench him play a guy who was on the World Juniors who's a worse player than him and play Askarov as the backup but not have Pod Colson in the lineup, who's a better player than, than Groshev, who they did play in the lineup. It just doesn't make sense, and I wonder if the media push that we saw like crazy over in Russia over the past couple days and over here a little bit. Like I, you know, I know the Canucks Army article got some push, but like I, I don't know if he plays if, if that media push didn't happen. So the free pods movement might have actually done something to the KHL and got him into a lineup. I think it did because there was over 152 views on that article from Russia. <laughs> and we I never know, get views in Russia. So it was really funny no, to see true. that. Well, that's good. And, and I think that aside from that, so he starts the game um, and he was he was playing in a fourth line role. He played two minutes and change in the first period. He played just over three minutes in the second period. But man, he was like I tweeted. He was looking possessed today. 
Like, he was flying. He was hitting. He was flying around the boards. He was quick. He was, every single time he went for a change, it wasn't like a take a couple couple pushes and glide over the bench. It was like, okay, I'm going for a line change now. My shift's over. Head down, sprint to the bench as fast as you can. Open up, sit down, get ready for your next shift. And he looked so good in the first 40 minutes. Um, and I actually had to go into Vancouver for, obviously, training camp. So I missed the third period. Went back and looked at it. And he was the sixth highest in ice time for Scott in the third period out of the forward group, of course, like defenseman, obviously Oscar Fantenberg's getting like 15 minutes in every period. But anyways, Vasily Pod Colson got sixth out of the forwards for SK in the third period of that game. So I guess he was rewarded a little bit for that great play and effort in the first 40 minutes of that game. I hope that that keeps going. I hope that we can see Vasily Pod Colson, even if he's playing 10 to 14 minutes of ice time, every game, like that's, that's all you ask. And like, Having Vasily Podkolzin play 10 to 14 minutes on your KHL team, every single KHL team would probably want that. Like, I can't think of a lot of KHL teams that wouldn't want a Vasily Podkolzin on them giving 10 to 14 minutes. Because the thing is, I can think of a bunch of NHL teams that would love to have Vasily Podkolzin playing 10 to 14 minutes for them right now. So, the situation's tough. The relationship is broken, obviously. But he, like, he can't get out of there soon enough, man. Like, I know we say it all the time when we talk about Vasily Pod Colson in this situation, but, like, he really he really can't get out of there soon enough. And I think that hearing that the um, the reports that I saw were that Vasily Pod Colson will not be playing for Team Russia at the World Championships, if the World Championships even happen. So Vasily Pod Colson not being a part of that now does give us a date. You know, if these reports are true, this does give us a date that, yes, once their playoff run is over, like, Pod Colson's ready to come to North America. And that sets up a situation where not only Pod Colson join the team for the end of the regular season, but if the Canucks can do this right, potentially have the silly Pod Colson for the 2021 playoffs as well. Yes. Sorry, there's more more news, just so you know. Um, just to close it out here, this should have been mentioned at the top of the show, but the news just came out. Uh, Richard Zussman, who does the COVID updates in the BC legislature for Global BC, tweeted out, I'm told one of these two players tested positive for COVID, then negative, then positive again, and then tested a fourth time negative. The other is a close contact. So, hmm. whoa, man, this is wow. so weird. This is so, uh, uh, it's so weird to follow this whole thing, but we're going to get more information tomorrow. This is all we have right now. And then the last little thing is Mark Michaelis is on the taxi squad. Uh, according to Rick Dollywall. Interesting. So the taxi squad's starting to take shape. Uh, we have Mark Michaelis there. Louis Erickson is there because Travis or uh, Jim Benning confirmed that on a Sportsnet 650 hit. And it looks like Jack Rathbone would be the defenseman and Rafferty, I guess, right? Like, that's that's kind of the way it's shaping out. And we didn't hear much of Di Pietro. I wouldn't mind getting your thoughts on it because I know you've talked about it a lot about the goalie situation. Like, now that it might be happening, do you hate the idea of Mikey DiPietro being a taxi squad guy who's not going to get a lot of AHL action? Or is this something that, like I mentioned earlier with Rathbone, do you think maybe DiPietro's on that taxi squad just until maybe February 6th when the AHL gets going again? I think he's on the taxi squad and plays some AHL games when they're making trips through Canada. Uh, that was something that PJ's been talking about, Drance has been talking about as well. I think that's the likely scenario here. I think that's what's going to happen. He's going to play some games in Canada in the AHL, just has to face some shots. Like, it doesn't matter where they are. You know, if they're in the AHL, great. It's just, you know, 
that's going to that's going to help him f- for sure. So it helps him more than sitting on the bench. That's for that's for sure. So I don't hate the idea at all. I think he's going to get some valuable experience working with Clark, but we also can't underestimate how important it is for a goaltender, especially a young goaltender, to face shots. Again, this guy hasn't played a game since March, right? And it's just, you know, you get everything you want out of practice or training camp, but nothing's quite like a real game. And keep in mind, he didn't even play in any of the scrimmages. So True. Very good point with the scrimmages. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, right? Like, but I guess like the limited time that they were going to get, they weren't going to get yeah. preseason games. It does make sense, I guess, to have your goalies that are going to be facing NHL competition play. So, yeah, unfortunately, they didn't get it. But it was nice to see all the extra work that Di Pietro got in with with Ian Clark after practice and situations like that. So, uh, I think we'll leave it there. Um, man, very excited. You know, the puck drops tomorrow, quads. Like within just over twenty four hours from right now, because we're just wrapping up at about six thirty. Like. We're going to be watching Canucks games on television tomorrow, which is super exciting. Uh, we're going to be back to post games for Canucks Army. Lots of stuff's going to be coming out in Canucks Army. I think the podcast has already been off to a great start since we've had hockey back. Uh, big week at training camp, man. I think uh, congratulations is due for both of us. I think we we had a lot of goals going into training camp, and I think we exceeded a lot of them, uh, to be honest. So I don't know if there's anything you want to wrap up about Canucks training camp real quick before I close this thing out. It was a lot of fun. Really nice, like the Encore Suite, and I think, yeah, we crushed it on the coverage. I forgot about the mailbag, like, completely forgot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, just flat out forgot. Like, I woke up, I was like, oh, today's Monday, and that was that was the first time that's happened since I became managing editor, but uh, hopefully it won't happen again. Yeah, absolutely. Aside from that little, I mean, that's a tiny little hiccup in the grand scheme of things. We, uh, I think we kicked ass uh, we throughout did. training camp, and I, I think we did a really good job. You uh, did. It was even funny <laughs> watching some of uh, some of the other media members. Like, I know PJ had the one tweet about our synergy, like you and me yelling across like sections about you know sending you clips, sending you pictures, you know quotes and all that stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, we crushed it, man. The teamwork was was awesome. So uh, we'll wrap it up there, man. We're coming. Like, you know, we got the post games coming to Canucks Army. Lots of great stuff coming up in the future. Lots of great stuff coming up on this podcast. We got a big um, interview that I'll be doing tomorrow morning. Uh, we should be airing that one on Saturday as long as everything goes great. I won't uh, spoil the guests until the interview is recorded and exported from my recording device because we don't want to lose another interview. But that should be a fun one on next weekend's show coming up. But man, it's time, quads. The regular season is upon us. Uh, it's here, finally. So let's get back to some Canucks action, and uh, we'll continue to bang out two shows a week here. So thank you so much for tuning in to episode 127 of the Canucks Conversation. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.